Hi, and welcome to the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. It's episode 10. My name is Brefney Early, and I'm joined once again by Galway and Ireland international Maeve Deborka. Maeve, you're very welcome back to the programme. Thanks very much, Brefney. It's good to be here again. Now, obviously, Steph's away for a couple of weeks and you've been filling in. So this is the second week in a row, third in about four weeks. We're going to have to give her a naughty card for not being around. Uh, but she's back with us next week. But in the meantime, you're going to take a look at the action of the weekend and a little look forward to next weekend's action in the Women's National League. Plenty of games to get through. We'll also be joined for interviews with a couple of people from around the league. We're going to be talking to Niall Connolly, manager of Treaty United, about their challenging start to the season, while Aoife Harran of Athlone Town and Sinead Taylor from Wexford Youths drop in to say hello to us as well. But first, we're going to take a look at last week's action across the Women's National League. Four games, as usual, across the weekend. Uh, we might start with Galway, uh, your own side, just for you watch the game, I know, uh, over the weekend. Uh, a rough day for them down in uh, Ferry Carrick Park. Probably unreflective of the performance, but 5 nil the final score for, for Wexford. Some cracking individual goals, some good team goals as well from Wexford. Um, but one that maybe Galway will be eager to forget about pretty quickly, I'd imagine, Miff. I think definitely one to forget about. Just a bad day all round at the office from a Galway perspective. Um, like you normally say, bad things happen in threes, but I think there was a lot more than three bad things happening uh, last weekend. But, you know, unfortunately, obviously from the OG to, to um, potentially serious injuries as well. And, you know, a lot of other things in between. So I think just um, like you said there, I think Galway were well in the game and I don't think the scoreline was reflective of the the game itself. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Wexford should have got the three points, but I think maybe uh, five point, or five goals was uh, harsh on Galway from a Galway perspective. But um, like you said there, there was some quality from Wexford all the same. Yeah, we're going to talk to Sinead Taylor about the game later on in the show, but uh, we have to talk about Elle Malloy because she's 16 years of age. What a strike from her. She was so involved in the build-up as well. Um, she really is turned into a, a real prospect for Wexford and Ireland. She is. She's showing really how, how good she is. I mean, it's happening now on a regular basis. It's not just a once-off or that. You know, she is doing it regularly and... Like you said, it was a quality finish. It was struck from from way out, but it was hit with such venom and right into the bottom corner. And, you know, Galway keeper Maya had no chance um, to save it, really. So she's really, um, so last year was just an introduction to the league. But I think this year, I think we'll really see her push on. And, um, you know, it's frightening to think how good she's going to be. Yeah, in terms of, I suppose, uh, where this leaves Galway, obviously you mentioned the injuries, the suspension to come in as well with the red card at the weekend. And it's just, where does Billy Cleary go for, go to from here for next weekend? I think it's probably uh, come as a good thing that there is going to be an idle week for Galway this week coming because it kind of gives them a bit of time to maybe regroup and just um, to, I suppose, reflect a little bit on, on how things have been going and, you know, to try just to put maybe things in place to try and um, prevent it happening again. And um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's disappointing. But like like you said there, I think it just was a bad day at the office and um, just needs to be kind of forgotten about at this stage and try to push on. Yeah, now in terms of other games, uh, good performances, I suppose, from, from sides that were expected to take pretty heavy beating. I think, to be fair, for most people going in, most opponents last week would have called a fairly easy victory for Piemont. Didn't turn out like that, despite what the scoreboard might suggest. 
took nearly an hour for PMAP to score. Uh, they ended up with three uh, clean sheet as well. They'll be happy. But that was essentially PMAP's second string that took to the field in Jackman Park last weekend. And should that be positive that they can still go out and win a game and dominate a game like that? Or is there really the first signs maybe that there isn't as much strength and depth as PMAP might like there to be? I think it probably comes from um, the dogness and the, I suppose the compactness of Treaty, perhaps as well. You know, there uh, a lot of teams now we can see are managing to hold um, the likes of P Mount and the top three as such to to lower score lines and I suppose to stay in the game for longer. And I think that's um, just testament to the defensive side. And I think you know P Mount did show their class at the end of the day, and um, it was a great strike from my former teammate Sive. You know to to start the ball rolling and I think you know P-Man still I'm sure they're full of confidence they just confident that uh, confidence even they were very patient as well you know I don't think they're only they mind if they're not scoring until the second half as long as they're getting the points on the board and you know the goals to go with it as well yeah no interesting times ahead for P-Man they're still top of the league of course uh, four wins from four so far they'll be happy that to give some of those girls who haven't had as much game time a, a good run out as well there you're looking at the sub list for payment of the weekend obviously certain players like louise masterson uh, claire walsh in particular uh burn have featured very heavily this season um neither played a, a role at the weekend so good to get those kind of fringe players some real game time in the league I think it'll be even more important to come into the latter end of the season if they were to pick up, um, you know, potentially a suspension or injury or that as well, to show like that these girls have plenty of game time in the legs as well, because um, that's, I think, like I said, it's going to become more important, um, you know, the longer the season goes on, because um, this, I suppose, squads that have won the league in the past or cups in the past have definitely had depth, and uh, I think PMAD are showing that in the past few weeks. Yeah, another clean sheet for Nisha McAloon as well. And she deputised for Neve Rayburg. There's a really good uh, competitive nature there between those two girls. Neve, hugely experienced. Nisha uh, probably has a, a decade on her, but looks like a really good prospect for Pima between the sticks uh, in the long term, at least, if not necessarily in the short term. For sure, yeah. I mean, you don't see it too often with teams in the National League where they can just have one keeper fill in for the other and there to be no real um, change in the quality between the posts. So I think uh, P-Mount are very lucky in that regard that they have, you know, two very qual- very much, um, you know, quality keepers. And like you said, um, Neve Rebrook's probably just slightly ahead at the moment. But I think with every game that Nisha plays, she's only getting better and, you know, she's getting ample opportunity to prove herself as well. You know, really good to see the manager having faith to to make a change like that as well. We're seeing a lot in the men's league for different reasons. A lot of players losing position rather than maybe putting a case forward to earn it. In terms of the other games, two other games, of course, Shells and DLR, uh, they played a, a cracking game at Tolka. Um, really good early goal from Emily Whelan, set the pace. Noel Murray with a penalty uh, later on in the game before Carla McManus set the, the social media world alight uh, with a, a fine strike from long distance. Uh, just caught uh, Amanda Button out, uh, but she'll be very happy with that with that uh, strike. And despite the defeat, from a personal note, at least she gets that a uh, goal on her score sheet for the, for the season. Um, did you see much of this game? Yeah, I saw. Well, obviously, I saw the the strike. Anyways, it was amazing. Uh, it was a really good hit from Carland. I think she's shown in the past, even uh, with her time at Kilkenny, how you know how much of a threat she is in front of the goal. She she used to bang in the goals for Kilkenny, and they maybe weren't creating, or they obviously weren't creating as many chances as other teams in the league. And 
I think um, you know we should be happy with their performance coming on and impacting the well impacting the game, not necessarily the result in this case. But I think she'll um, have great confidence uh, from that, and particularly as they're going to be missing Kate Mooney, unfortunately for the rest of the season as well. I think she'll become a more integral part of that DLR team and. I think, uh, like we discussed last week, it was a really competitive game and it was really close. And I think DLR will be probably disappointed just not to have gotten something out of the game. Yeah, DLR's first defeat of the season, only by the the one goal as well. Um, I'm, I've been really impressed with them in terms of, I suppose, where they've come from last year. They were in that second tier when the when the league broke in half, and and they seem comfortably in that top group of, of teams this season. What is it about that, I suppose, squad or that? club at the moment that's really pushed them up a level more so than maybe anyone else in the league table at the moment? I think they've probably had some consistency um, you know with their background team management Graham Kelly and there has been doing a very good job but also the um, additions in the off season as well the likes of um, Jess Gleeson just brings a lot of stability at the back and I think that's a really important um, position is that centre back spot you know um, in contrast to with Shells, they have uh, Paris Flattery, you know, occupying that for years on end. Um, you know, as well as Wexford have solid defensive, um, you know, partnership as well at the back. So I think, um, you know, that that's a lot to do with it. I think the experienced players are are, um, you know, kind of bringing, like I said, bringing the standards up and been able to, you know, really pose threats now and. I think, like I said, they'll be disappointed, but I would expect them to be, um, you know, potentially getting a win against either the likes P Mount Shells um, or Wexford, who they've obviously already um, drawn with as well earlier in the season. Yeah, and our final game last weekend, the Cork City made the trip up to Athlone. Plenty of controversy, penalties should they have been given, should they not have been given. Um, I, I know both both benches seem pretty irate at different stages through the game. Uh, Cork opened the score and a great header from a corner from Becky Casson. Uh, looked like they might take uh, a good run at that, but then uh, controversial enough penalty. Um, we've looked at it. We can't show it, obviously, on the show because we don't have the rights to show it, but uh, you've watched it back. What are your thoughts on that? For me, that, let's hear your thoughts first, and then we might have a chat about it. Yeah, I thought... No problem. I thought that you know, Cork would have uh, rightly had grievances with it, but um, I mean, I looked back at it multiple times and in the end I actually thought it was a penalty um, to Athlone, but um, you know, that's fine if we have the luxury of being able to, to view the, the incident a few times before we make up our mind. So, um, yeah, I think from, from a Cork side they, they can be um, disappointed that it was given, but in fairness to Athlone they just um, took the opportunity that was given to them. Yeah, I think the penalty for me, for those who haven't seen it yet, it's not actually in the highlights package of the game, but you can watch it back on LOI TV if you have a, it's, it's free if, as long as you're a member of the site. Um, you don't have to, to pay, it is a free uh, match up on the site, you just need to join up. Um, the Just before half time, essentially, the ball broke around the box, poor defending from Cork, really should have cleared the ball, should have dealt with it. A couple of players should have dealt with it way before it ever got to the penalty situation. Two players came together, and one kind of stopped and tried to just defend the ball, really. But there was a swing in arm, no intention. It was just the way she moved, her arm moved. I can 100% see how the referee gave it. Uh, it's a 50-50 call. I think hometown decision, I think, goes in favour of the hometown team. And that's probably what happened. Um, but I do think they had as much right to a penalty as a right not to a penalty, if that makes sense. It wasn't a complete hometown decision. It was just when it was 50-50, I think that's just the way the referee went. 
I think that was also the case for the equalizer at the very end. Two all the final score, obviously. Um, last 10 minutes of the game, uh, I thought the Athlone player coming out, Caitlin Keogh, I think it was, came out and took Becky Casson out of it. They came together. If I'm the referee, it's a free kick to Cork. Referee gave a free kick to Athlone, and Athlone scored from the resulting goal, or from the free kick. Again, could have been defended better? Absolutely. Your thoughts? I'd agree with you that I thought it was a Cork free kick out rather than an Athlone free kick in. But what was interesting was the reaction of the Cork bench. Um, they were very irate and they really, really uh, caused uproar on the sideline, which potentially may have caused a distraction to the players. And like you said, uh, um, you know, Cork did defend the free kick, uh, resulting free kick poorly. But, um, you know, I, like you said, I don't think it was a free kick. And um, but at the end of the day, I suppose you just have to deal with the decisions that are made on the pitch as well and you know to react to them as best you can and to try to you know still it was a free kick although it was in a dangerous position i don't think it was scorable directly and um you know unfortunately like i said from cork they did end up conceding from it which they can um, definitely have grievances over yeah it was an awkward kind of height that came in just under the crossbar for Abby mccarthy and i think she was caught in two minds as to whether to try and catch it or punch it but when she was looking up for that ball, there must have been three or four Athlone players coming at her, and maybe one court player, maybe. Um, but when the ball came down, it fell at the feet of two or three Athlone players, and it was just a matter of which one of them was going to put it in the back of the net. So I think um, if I was the court, and I don't want to be slating court, but if I was the court um, management, I'd be more concerned about the defending than maybe necessarily the referee's decisions. Although I do think the referee got it wrong, particularly in that free kick. Um, but I, it's the defending for me would be the, the thing I'd be looking at. Well, let's get on with the meat of the programme. Three interviews for you today. We're going to hear later on in the show from Niall Connolly, the Treaty United manager, about his side's valiant effort against Piemont at the weekend. Sinead Taylor is going to be joining us about her strike for Wexford Youths against her former side, Galway Women's FC. We hope she doesn't fall out with Maeve while we're having that conversation. But first, we're going to hear from under 19 still, but very much a part of their senior squad, Aoife Harren from Athlone Town is going to be joining us about that game that kicked off down in Athlone at the weekend. Let's hear from Aoife. Aoife Harren of Athlone Town, an integral part of that squad since the club came into the league, I suppose 12, 14, 15 months ago now. Um, previously with Sligo Rovers, obviously our paths crossed down there in Sligo IT and in the showgrounds. Uh, what's it been like since you've uh, made the change to the Midlands and how has the league been treating you as a, as a youngster, still under 19, but um, playing with that senior squad now for the last year and a half? Yeah, uh, the experience has been so good so far. Like coming from the under 17 team, like it's obviously a big step up, you know, like the pace of the game and everything. But um, I'm learning a lot, especially playing against them um, top teams like the likes of Pima and Shelburne. Like they play such a fast paced game and it's just every kind of game and I'm just learning from and it's been really really fun what have you found is supposed to be the biggest challenge uh so far i think the pace game like especially um in midfield like you do not get a second to think mm -hmm. you know like they're attacking you straight away like you need to make up your mind really quickly and even just like fitness wise it's just it's just a whole different like ball game yeah, in terms of, I suppose, the, the first season last year, I know there was a couple of new teams in there last year, yourselves, Bohemians, to a certain extent, Treaty. And at, at times you may have struggled in the league 
he seemed to be a bit harder to break down this year. The squad seems to be a little bit stronger. What do you put that down to uh, from your impressions of, of this season versus last? Well, I suppose just even like the experience of last season, you know, we have played all them teams and not that we know what they're going to do, but we have a better idea than we did last year, I suppose. And I suppose um, new players coming in as well with experience. And I think it's just overall just, you know, knowing what to do now than last year. Yeah, in terms of, I suppose, let's talk about some of the, the new arrivals into the team because it's a very different look to the squad than you would have had last year. There's been maybe 50% of the team is, is new to the league and to the club. Um, what have those new arrivals into the team done? The likes of Miranda Vanni, some of the girls coming in from Gaelic backgrounds, Mona Ernie, that type of player. Um, I suppose them girls, they've lifted the standard definitely in training, you know, like just the pace and everything. And them, like the likes of Marin, like she has experience up an international level. And, you know, it's really good for her to bring that in and we can kind of bounce off that as well. Um, and just like as um, the older players as well, like they're bringing experience, they're teaching us, you know, so it's just it's just a lot better. Yeah, in terms of, I suppose, when we look back over the last two weekends, there's been plenty of controversy in your games. Uh, maybe let's cast our mind back, I suppose, 10 days now to the, the Wexford game. Um, they would have been perceived to be fair, fairly strong favourites going into that. You held them scoreless for 80 minutes, uh, despite even losing a player then, and then losing a second player. What was it like in the dressing room, from your point of view, having run so close in a game that you weren't really expected to get a whole pile out of? Um, it was definitely frustrating, definitely frustrating. Like to the fact that we held them off so long, and then obviously to concede that penalty, it is very annoying. But as well as that, I suppose we have to. We had looked at the positives as well that we did keep them off for that long, and you know, like it's not the worst result to get, you know, away from home against the top team like them. So I was kind of mixed emotions afterwards. Yeah, I kind of fear for you a little bit this weekend, given, I suppose, Murren and Fiona, when I've watched you play this year, have been probably two of the players who I would have thought looked pretty decent on, on the, the team, probably one of the two of the standouts, and both of them suspended this week because of the red cards the previous week. Cork have been there, thereabouts in most of their games, and yet you came out of it with a draw. That's got to give you a lot of hope. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, look, the red cards, that's just what happens in the game, and I suppose we just, you know, the, the other girls that might have got a chance, whatever, worked harder in training and we all kind of, you know, worked together. And to get a result like that, missing them two top players, I think was super. I think, obviously, I think as a team, we should have won it in the end, but a draw is still a point on the board. Like, And how are you finding the management, I suppose, down there, the coaches and that? Are you Do you find that you're learning a lot from them? Yeah, definitely. Like the coaching is really, really good. Like, and you know, even if we have a problem, like they're so open to us, you know, going up, asking them this, that and the other, and they're always helping us out. Like, Yeah, we've talked a lot on the show about how, I suppose, uh, the boys' side of the house in terms of the, the, the SSE or Tristy League men's sides um, doing well or doing poorly, whether that that has any effect on the, the women's side of, of the, the club. And I suppose at lone top of the first division at the moment, the mood must be pretty good about the club in general. Does that have any effect in your dressing room? Because some of the different clubs have spoken about how it's affected them or not affected them, as the case may be. What's that been like in Athlone? Um, I suppose, yeah, like obviously we're happy for the men's team, you know, like 
some nights we do be training on the pitch with them and I suppose they like we share a gym with them and everything and you know like obviously we're happy for them but um in the dress room I wouldn't think it makes difference yeah going back to the, the game at the weekend there's a lot of controversy from uh I suppose about a couple of decisions that went penalties that were given penalties that weren't given um do you as a player take any notice in that at all or does it just kind of go over your head on to the next game point in the bag yeah, I just put over my head, like, when the game's over, the game's over. Like, you can't change decisions, you know. Um, but, that, like, some of them calls, especially, I suppose, the penalty, I, I genuinely, I was literally right beside it, and it's, it wasn't. But, like, obviously, they're going to call for it. Like, we probably would do the same. But um, after games, just forget about it, move on. And, obviously, our focus is for this weekend against P-Mount now. And what would you be hoping, I suppose, to get uh, from the game against Piment? How are you approaching it? Look, we're going up, up open-minded. Obviously, we want to get a result whatever way. But then again, we're not, you know, we're not kind of kidding ourselves. Obviously, they're top to table. They're top class team. Like, they're passing everything. But I suppose we're just going to go up and try our best. And get if we can get a draw, absolutely brilliant. And if we get a win, even better. But we're not going to thinking too far what has the talk been i suppose maybe in the team whatsapp group or in a training during the week have, have you reflected back on that 80 minute performance against wexford and kind of trying to maybe instill that kind of spirit in the in the side for the game on saturday yeah we'll definitely be going through formations now during the week and just seeing how we set up and if we go defensive or not because obviously they're so such a good attacking team you know um but yeah, I think I, I'm not too sure, like properly yet, how we'll set up, but I we definitely have a game game plan in place. And I don't know the, the details. I haven't seen any announcements from the FAI, but in terms of suspensions, uh, Murren and Fiona are they just one games? Are they back for yeah. this weekend? Yeah. So you're one at game. full strength. Any injuries or anything that you could tell us about how the team is fair now? Um, there's a few kind of niggles and stuff, but nothing too serious. But um. Mern and Fiona definitely back this weekend. In terms of, I suppose, individual goals, have you any plans this year or any targets yourself in terms of games played or um, assists? I know you're, you're like a, a long-range screamer every now and again as well. You pop up with them from time to time. Um, what's What individual goals have you set for yourself as well as what maybe the team has targeted for the year? Uh, well, personally, for myself, is just securing that space on starting eleven. You know, like this year, I think especially more than last year, it's so much more competitive. So I just want to make my stamp on the league, you know, and like getting that starting 11. And then I suppose for like as a team, finishing up higher than we did last year on the table would be a massive goal. And just getting results, like getting points on the board, because we've already played like four matches um, and we've three points. So obviously we need, you know, we need to get a win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I suppose in terms of uh, history repeating itself, I know um, when we were both involved with Sligo, we, the first ever game, uh, you had a bit of a viral shock up at Piemount, uh, scoring a goal early on in the game. It kind of got a lot of viral attention on Twitter, I think, at the time. Uh, that team won, that Sligo Rovers team beat Piemount that day. Della Doherty, Becky Watkins were in that Piemount side. They'll probably feature over the weekend. But there's four or five girls who played for Sligo that day now in the white and black of Athlone, yourself, Abigail, Kelsey, 
um, and maybe one or two others. I know Catherine Hyman would have been involved in the, the staff as well. So there's, there's plenty of uh, history of pulling results, maybe from the unexpected from a couple of seasons ago. Will that even come into your consideration at all, or is that just me reminiscing and my own memory? Um, yeah, I know it would. It would. It'd be nice. It'd be nice time to get one of them goals again during the weekend. But I don't know. Doubt. I don't know. I'm not going to be negative, but doubtful. Doubtful. <laughs> okay, well, listen. Uh, I think we uh, we'll be looking forward to the game, and I think we've seen a lot of the, the perceived weaker sides really putting it up to some of the more established names, household names around the league over the last couple of weeks. And I think uh, we're going to see tighter and tighter games uh, between. I suppose different aspects of, of different teams across the league and I think uh, this weekend there's no reason why there can't be a surprise in Green Oak on Saturday evening. Uh, Aoife, thank you so much for joining us, it's been a pleasure as always and best luck to you and your teammates for the weekend thanks, but Rich. also for the rest of the season. Thank you, thanks very much. Well from a novice in the league to uh, someone who's a little bit more experienced around the clubs in the league, we're joined for the next 15 minutes or so uh, by Sinead Taylor, who was on the score sheet for Wexford Utes at the weekend. Sinead, uh, nice to hit the back of the net, always nice as a kind of an attacking player. Uh, you're very welcome to the show, but congratulations on your goal. Thanks a million for having me. Um, yeah, obviously delighted to get on the score sheet, but obviously it's against Galway and I don't normally like scoring against one of my favourite teams. So look, it has to be done as a striker though, doesn't it? Well, you better explain that to people who might not be that familiar with the league or who are coming in for, for this as a first time, obviously, former player with Galway as well, teammate of Maeve's. Um, we might even get a few stories from you, either of you about the other out of the dressing room over the last uh, few years. Um, talk to us about maybe that move and I suppose your time at Galway and how you ended up at Wexford. Yes, I suppose I ended up in Galway because I was based in Athlone with the Army and I was playing in Athlone with Maz, Maz Sweeney at the time, and she was like, look, Galway are setting up a national league team. Would you be interested in playing? And I said, yeah, look, no bother. And then Nigel Keady, who was obviously the manager at the time, got in touch. And he actually came down to Athlone and I signed the papers. And then, to be honest, I never looked back since. So I was there, was it 2013, 14 season, Maeve? I think and so, then, yeah. And then I came back again before I got injured. Was it? I can't remember what season that was, but I was injured. But I was commuting from Dublin across and it was... I just, you know, I just couldn't do it. The body couldn't do it either. Spending like two and a half hours in the car. So unfortunately then I had to look at another move. But uh, I took time out. I was playing rugby for a while. Then I got injured. Like I actually thought I was going to have to retire. It was pretty bad with my Achilles. And then I was lucky. I was going to get surgery. Then it kind of settled down. And then I managed to go. One of the girls was like, will you come training with Wexford? Come down and just see how you get on. I was like, okay, sure. I'll give it a lash. I have nothing to lose, like, you know, and I've been there since, obviously, in between overseas trips then as well. So I'm back now for a little while and see how I get on. Yeah, how do you find, I suppose, balance and everything? Obviously, you mentioned there that you're in the Army and, um, you know, do you find it challenging to try to be able to juggle uh, both the Army and, and soccer as well as your personal life as well? Yeah, like, some, it is difficult sometimes, obviously, when you're on 24-hour duties and things like that. Like I've had managers previously that weren't understanding of the fact that we did do 24-hour duties. And in the role that I was in previously, I had to do the same when we one or two a week. And obviously that impacts on your training and then sometimes you have to miss training and stuff. But fortunate enough, there's been obviously most of the managers have been accommodating enough and they understand that what we do as a job isn't isn't ordinary. You know, it's not Monday to Friday, nine to five kind of thing. So like we do get detailed to go overseas and stuff. So unfortunately, that just means we have to leave 
for obviously six months and then we can come back again. Okay, I'm going to ask the stupid question here. 24-hour duty, is that what it sounds like where literally you're on call or on duty for a full 24 hours? How does that work in the real world? Well, you're just in the barracks, so you're, you're probably on an armed duty, so you're up for the 24 hours then. So obviously, by the time you drive home and everything, you try and get a bit of sleep and you get the next day off to rest off and then you're back in work then the following day. Well, like if you've got training or a match, like I used to do Friday duties because we'd have games on Saturdays and it like it was tough. You're like a little zombie going around the place, you know, trying to get yourself up for a game. Yeah, so you, you do it full 24 hours. You have to get some sort of sleep. So you're essentially out of commission for about what, 25, or 35, 30, 30, 35, 40 hours. Like. Yeah. That's a nightmare. Sounds terrific. And then you have to try and pair that up with the uh, requirements of being an elite sports person as well. Yeah. Did you have any like pre-game rituals? Well, I wouldn't even say rituals, but after a night duty before a game, just to try get yourself up for it. I just had to make sure kind of food prepped, and then as soon as I got in, straight into the bed, get a few hours sleep, and then off you go again. Make sure you have everything ready to hit the road. Then, obviously, match kit, and you don't want to be forgetting anything, you know. So I have to really be prepared just so that you're ready to go. And so, yeah, you were in Galway and you left there because of time commitment and, and travel that was involved. So then you decided, well, where else is two hours away? So you went to Wexford. Like, it's, it doesn't seem to be any easier to be playing with Wexford than it was to be with Galway. Why make the move? Um, okay, so the army flew me back, flew, flew me back early from overseas. So I came back in September to start a college course in Carlo. So I'm actually doing electronic engineering full time. So obviously we were supposed to be training in Carlo. Well, we were training initially until COVID hit. And then we obviously have games in Ferry Carrick then at the weekend. So that's only an hour and a half from Dublin. But I would have been in Carlo anyway. So I was like, sure, what harm? And then obviously COVID hit and things kind of went a bit astray. But I think when you're at this level, you're, you kind of resign to the fact that you're going to be spending half your life in a car to and from games or to and from training anyway, right? Yeah. you just kind of, I think it is a big commitment. It's something you do sign up for. I don't know if obviously new players coming into the league probably don't understand that it is such a commitment. Like it is seven days a week, you know, and obviously maybe you know yourself being on the road is just part and parcel of it. You know, like Saturdays, your day is gone. You know, it's just, you're either waiting around to go to a game or you're up early to go to the game, you know? So like, it's just, you just get used to it in the end. And between soccer and rugby, like, did you find, I suppose, much of a difference? Uh, I know you you took a break and you were with the rugby uh, for a while, but, so was, uh, what kind of drew you back then again? Just was it just you fell out of love with the rugby, or was it just the soccer took uh, took priority again? No, my heart was always with the soccer. To be fair, like it always has been, and it, it always will be. Like, don't get me wrong. I've obviously there is periods in your life where you fall out of love with the game, and then, you know you then you get back into it. But for me, rugby was just a pastime, whereas soccer was, you know, something that I was I like I love and I'm passionate about. So. No, that's why I carried on. I just said, no, I'm, I, just, I was getting broken up, like absolutely broken up. You know, like, <laughs> oh, Kim, I'm, I'm sure Kim was even saying it to you, like you get absolutely broken up. You wake up the next morning feeling like a car crash. At least after a soccer game, it's not as bad. But, you know, yeah, when I'm, the bones are getting old now, it is a bit, it takes you longer to recover. Yeah. yeah, I have a nephew who was in the Connacht Academy and he's playing IL with Sligo and, and I see it firsthand in the boys and, you like the girls even the, the impact just seems to be that much stronger and 
the injuries seem to be worse, so I can only imagine. In terms of the game at the weekend, obviously, you mentioned you touched on the start of the show, Galway, you had one of the five goals, but it was great team performance, um, but so, capped by some fantastic individual performance. We talked about her a lot on the show, but Ellen Malloy's goal just stood out for me in terms of uh, she must have had two or three touches, a bit, a bit of a pirouette in there as well, and then just a strike from distance. What's it like seeing that caliber of player coming up? Um, let's say a decade younger, being generous, uh, a decade younger, uh, maybe a little bit more uh, in terms of, of of the technique and the ability that they have and, and how frighteningly good some of these players are. Yeah, like like Ellen, like we, we refer to her as the superstar. Like she is a superstar in our eyes. And like obviously at training, we get to see that day in and day out, what she can do. And the fact that she's going out week on week and proving herself at such a young age is just a testament to her as a player. Like even you, the goal of the weekend, even you said yourself, like a little pirouette in the middle and then an absolute cracking left foot finish. Like her left foot is absolutely devastating. And then obviously the fact then that she's getting called up to the senior team as well is is good for her. And especially at such a young age, she can only get better. And I'm, I'm sure from her point of view and from our point of view, we want her to keep developing. And hopefully she can, you know, it could be her full-time job, hopefully, like the likes of Katie's gone over to play with Arsenal. You know, she's done such a good job. Hopefully Ellen can do the same. Do you think there was anything, I suppose, in particular that led to the, like, the, I suppose, the good result for yourselves on at the weekend? You know, from a Galway perspective, a lot of things seem to go wrong all at once. But from a Wexford viewpoint, is there anything that, I suppose, he did differently or anything in terms of preparation? Um, no, like, we've been working on different shapes and formations in training and, you know, set pieces and just, you know, different things that you would work on. And he still hasn't found his, say, starting team. He's been chopping and changing as well. So we're still trying to find our feet and what works best for us. Like, to be fair, the first 20, 20 30 minutes, like, Galway were the far superior team. And, mm-hmm. like, anybody watching the game could see that, you know. And then it was unfortunate that Shauna's header, defensive header, went into the back of the net. And I think that's that kind of just turned turned in our favour then. And then once we got the second goal and the third goal, then, you know, we're kind of not cruising, but we kind of picked up a bit of confidence and we're going you know, we were playing a bit better. And then I was like, we we knew that the game of the weekend was going to be extremely tough. Like Maeve, we know when we were playing with Galway, what would it, what was expected. It was a dogfight. Everything we went to was a dogfight. And we know, obviously I know playing against Galway, it's always going to be the same. And to come out with such a, such a big win, like 5-0, I think everyone was kind of shocked to be fair. Yeah, in terms of was that the first goal was just seemed to be confusion between the two girls going for the ball, ends up at the back and let these things happen. The second one, you almost seem to be a bit annoyed that Ellen chose to give the ball to Lynn Marie because you were free on the left-hand side and you could almost see, even though she scored, I could nearly see a little bit of frustration going, that could have been me. Uh, is there a little bit of that personal kind of, I want to be the one that sticks the ball in the back of the net or does it matter where the goals come from? No, for me personally, I don't care who scores as long as we get the win. Like I knew... It was like three on one, and I knew if I just could occupy the defender and break, bring her away, Ellen would either choose me or Lynn Marie. And like, I was, ha- you know, I'm always happy for someone else to score. Like, Lynn Marie has been absolutely outstanding for us in the weeks. I like to see her score such a good goal was brilliant, and that helps with her confidence then as well. You know. Yeah, in terms of I suppose when you look at that dressing room, uh, some of the names you've mentioned there, you mentioned Keith Dollard, Keith Gray, and uh, Lynn Marie, and and others, and then Ellen, Ellen, sixteen. The rest of those names probably closer to 
double that. But I, I apologize, girls, but that's just the reality of the situation. It's a much older dressing room than other teams in the league. Now, they've been there, done that over the last five or six years, but is there a concern that maybe these girls aren't going to be around forever? Yeah, like I think a few of us are aware, like obviously the older ones are aware that we can't carry on playing for much longer, but we might try. But I think in terms of getting youth into the team, it's good because you need that. You need the team to keep keep growing and maturing. And obviously, if the likes of Ellen and Abel, they're coming up now as well. And then if a few of us do retire, we, someone needs to fill our shoes, you know. So it is good that we're bringing in youth. And like we're looking at the under-17s and the under-19s now. I think that's fantastic that we have the pathway because before there, there wasn't that pathway and you just kind of had to... It, some, sometimes players weren't developed enough to come into the National League at senior level. So it's good now that that's the pathway through. So I think it's brilliant, especially in terms for us as an aging team, as we've been called before. <laughs> uh, yeah, we won't, we won't go there much more because it's not fair on everybody, but we'll get accused. <laughs> Steph used to give out to me every single week for talking about her age um, when it came to it. You're second in the league though, after four games, five games of the season, it's all a bit wishy-washy because of the idle team every week. But you play five games, you're second in the league. You've got to be happy with that, I suppose, the fact that you bounced back from that opening day defeat to Piedmont uh, to kind of take 10 points from the last 12. Yeah, like I think after the Piedmont game, we, were, we felt not hard done by, but we felt like we should have won that game. And obviously we, we didn't win the game. So then we're like, look, we need to kind of get a bit of momentum going here and see can we pick up as many points as we can and just keep that going forward, especially leading into the court game now at the weekend. Like you can't take any games for granted at this level. And uh, like you're saying there, you're second in the league at the moment. I think if you finish second at the end of the season, would it be deemed to be a failure or are you looking to win everything this year? Yeah, we're looking to try and push on and win as much as we can this year. I think especially after last season, it was we were like the, the camp wasn't happy. We like as a whole, we weren't happy as a group with our performances. So I think this season and in pre-season, we set down a marker to kind of work as hard as we can and keep pushing on and hopefully get a bit of silverware at the end of the season. And like for me, I've never. I've always ever, I've been a runner-up, you know. I've never, never won anything. So I'd like to win something just before I eventually do retire. Is it, so is that the target then? Win the league and then just announce the retirement? Literally, <laughs> I've won the cup. Yay! I'm out of here, girl. See you. I can't take these. You heard, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, well, we might, we'll see. You'll see. I have a feeling if you win the league, you'll be back for the Champions League next year. But that's just me uh, thinking. It. I think it'll take more than that to. To stop you, Sinead, uh, over the years of watching it, I think uh, you'll be around for a little bit longer yet. Uh, Sinead, uh, it's been fantastic. Before we let you go, any um, any little stories you can tell us about Maeve? Because it's all been very clean and sanitary up to now. We want some, a little bit of dirt on her from the Galway dressing room over the years. No, to be honest, I don't really have any dirt on Maeve. She's squeaky <laughs> clean. And we've had a good, like in fairness, we've had a good few nights out. And Maeve always gives 100% at training and in the dressing room and on the pitch. So, no. <laughs> No, no dirty stories. I thought you said she was going to get 100% on the nights out. I was like, that's a story we all want to hear. Sinead Taylor, uh, best luck to you and your works for teammates this weekend. Uh, trip to Cork uh, and the rest of the season. And hopefully, maybe you'll be lifting that league title at the end of the season. Stranger things have happened. Thanks a million. Now, last weekend, another tough day at the office for the Treaty Girls down in Limerick, but they managed to put up a fine performance against league leaders Piedmont, uh, keeping them scoreless for the first hour of the game, despite running out 3-0 losers in the game. And I'm joined by their uh, team manager, Niall Connolly, to talk about their season so far 
and maybe we might focus on that game. Noel, you're very welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. It's a privilege to be on it now. I look forward to speaking to you both. Well, it was your first game, first season as the as the manager of Treat United, and I suppose uh, Piedmont are always one of those teams you kind of don't really look forward to coming to town because of what they, the, the arsenal of firepower they bring, but you managed to keep them really, really quiet in a game at the weekend. Uh, plenty of, I suppose, positives for the club to take out of that. What was your own impression uh, during and after the game on, at the weekend? Um, our impression as a staff really was was one just the positives. Um, look, you're right, no one, no one is looking forward to playing Piedmont at the moment. They're on an unbelievable run, but um, with the players we had, we had the mindset that we can be really competitive throughout the game. Like we analysed them, we we felt we set up in areas that we feel like we can neutralise them a lot, but also we could affect them. And I thought for the first sixty minutes we were very good. Um, you know, you can't be really critical of anything we're doing. And even afterwards, I just think Piedmont showed why they're back-to-back champions, why they did the double last season. Like they're just quality, their experience, their their know-how. Um, it's just off the charts and we learned a lot from that last 30 minutes but a lot of pauses now to work on and move forward there's plenty of fight in this trading team though because i suppose we looked at a couple of the games this year and um, bows on the opening day some i suppose a disastrous start let's be honest but you fought back in you got yourself on the score sheet twice and then three goals against uh Atlone up there you don't seem to have a problem finding the back of the net when you get your opportunities no, look, we don't. Um, we've got re- we've got a bunch of exciting young attacking players. Like from our midfield on, like we feel like we can with players we have, we can we can hurt any team. Um, but it, it was evident in our first few games that, um, you know, and I want to be respectful of the opposition because that didn't they they've put the ball in the back of net and countless times. But you know, we felt on reflection that we've been nearly assisting the opposition in scoring in how we were setting up, how we were looking to play, and I look. You know, I have to first of all look at myself and, and the staff. Were, you know, were we a bit naive and wanting to implement a certain style of play straight away instead of just building a solid foundation or a rock to build from? Um, I think the look, the Bows, the first 18 minutes of the Bohemians game, look, it was just a big eye opener in a lot of areas, just in terms of like how teams were setting up with us playing out. And look, I think against that loan, we, we played really well for the first 50 odd minutes. Um, and then look, Wexford. Well, I think the Wexford and Galway game were the two games for us now, Charles, that kind of made us uh, sit back and reanalyze where we're at at the moment. And look, we still believe in the long term process. We want to achieve in terms of style of play, uh, philosophy, but we just need to be accountable and adaptable at the moment. And, you know, I think the the Wexford game, three, their first three goals, like two of the first three, we, we assisted them in, like, and that's not discredit to extra look, they, they end up putting the ball in the net and well done on, on that for them, but we felt we really assisted them in it and look, we had a crazy six minutes in Galway and, you know, again, looking back in it, like, you know, we assisted Galway really in scoring against us rather than them just going, you know what, well done and carving us open. So, we felt like if we could nullify, um, you know, our mistakes or modify our build-up play that we'd be a lot tougher to break down and I think we've seen that against P-Mount. Um, and I think the P-Mount game, it's, you know, I just think we have to hold our hands up and say, yeah, look, the three goals they got were just well-deserved goals. They they worked, they just worked them really well and we didn't really have an answer to it. Like, and we can just now take the positives from the, the P-Mount game. And I think we're going to have more of a balance going, moving forward now. And I, and I honestly believe now from Sunday on against Shelburne, we're going to be very competitive in every game. Is that 
almost make it easier from a coaching perspective that if you like you, you have to work on the defensive side of the game more so than the attacking normally the attacking part is the hard part to to coach but um you know like Rafi mentioned there you have plenty of firepower and even the game against Galway was we, we mentioned last week that you won the set the the last 70 minutes of that game you actually won one nil so would it, is it easier to think from a, from a, that perspective to be able to try try to implement the defensive system now yeah, look, it's it it is in in an, in a sense, um, to to implement the defending aspect because you know obviously I think everyone, players and staff, like you know they don't want to be keep conceding, so there's more of that kind of energy to work hard defensively. I think as well though, it's getting the balance balance knacked right. I think a lot of our goals we conceded was from our own possession. So again, it's 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 creating um clear patterns of play in terms of maybe how we can be a bit more fluid and safe in possession, but. Defensively, the girls have been excellent. Like you know, the, the last month now we, you know, we have the defending players coming in early for training, doing a bit more in shape work. Um, you know, just movements when ball is in certain areas. What do we do when we shift? When do we drop? Um, but the, the players, to be honest, may have been excellent. Like you know, the the two words I can always refer back to the players is accountability and adaptability. Like, is it'd be easy for players to look at the coaches as well and go, look, you're doing X, Y, and Z, but with these these young incredible players, they're willing to look at themselves as well and, and break down the game. But then they have the bravery to come to us as staff and go, look, we feel maybe we should be doing this maybe for now and, and then continue to build. So um that that's been a great learning experience for the whole staff as well and the players. But no defensively, yeah, look it has been easier to to work on as of late. Because I you know, I do think us going forward isn't an issue at the moment. Yeah, I think you're the first coach we've had on the show. Episode 10, it seems kind of strange that we haven't had a coach on the show before. Uh, so congratulations. I think you're also the first, other than myself, you're the first man we've had on the show as well, which is kind of nice to be focusing on the, the female side of the game, uh, which gets neglected from time to time. But anyway, my question was actually about uh, as a coach and, and having that philosophy, which I admired, even though it wasn't working and it was kind of obvious it wasn't working in the first couple of games with those mistakes that you talked about, you stuck with it. How difficult was it to, I suppose, have to adapt that plan that you've probably been putting together for a couple of months to kind of go, do you know what, actually, that's not working. I'm going to have to admit that it's not working and come up with plan B. How difficult was it for you to, to do that, I suppose? Because in a dressing room, there's a lot of kind of people's opinions and stuff coming in. But to actually make up, get up and make that decision, it can be difficult at times. Yeah, look, it wasn't uh, it wasn't an easy decision, like, you know, and um, but look the you have to be adaptable as a coach and look i'm still learning every day as well um look we have a clear idea of how we want to play but um look as i said at the start i had to look at myself more so than the staff and was was i a bit eager was i a bit naive to bring in a a certain style that probably hasn't been done before straight away instead of just right let's just build the foundation so look i think on reflection it wasn't it wasn't a hard decision to go right we just going to have to adapt for a short while um like everything we do in training the principles are remain the same it's just like as you've seen against the pimo game we just altered how we we probably built it up um we're going to be more patient and when we can do things instead of doing it straight away because look we have a young squad as well and, and it's not an excuse we're very much uh, a group that want to always find solutions but the way we were looking to play in the first few games, it's a lot of pressure on, on young players to look to implement that straight away instead of going, look, we'll, we'll, we'll create, a, we'll adapt our style to an extent whereby when the game starts to open up more, 
that you know it's more natural for them to build and and that's what we've done and, and i thought they were really good against pmo like you know i i only think pmo only one got the ball off us once in their own half you know in the first half when we were in possession and stuff um so it's definitely a platform that we're going to continue to build on but we will be you know we're not going to compromise completely on our style we, we're still going to keep a lot of principles but look for now it's just adapting to um different styles but look the best managers in the world do like you you see like the likes of uh you know even david wise with west ham like you know he he's a certain style and against burnley now they completely changed because you know he felt it would give him more success to to get european football so look we can just learn from the best in the world and you know i'm no different i, I want to be uh, i want to be the lead coach and that's part of my pathways to to learn grow and adapt and from a personal perspective, how do you find the transition from being the assistant last year um, to being the head coach or manager this year? Um, it's it's been it's been pretty smooth to be honest with you. Um, uh, I I like I like kind of being very hands on. We'd say with a lot of stuff anyway. Um, but no, look under Dave last year. Look, Dave was excellent for me last year. Like he he really showed me how to how to operate in the Women's National League, how to do things off the pitch as well as on the pitch. Um, you know, and even, um, you know, in the off-season, when I got the job, he was one of the first to ring me up and, and congratulate me, but, you know, give me a bit of, um, you know, advice and stuff, and that was always helpful. But the the board, the treating, uh, were, were excellent with me. Um, they were so, so helpful and everything. And, and Lorraine Cunahan in particular, um, was just you know she was on the phone to me nearly every day just making sure I was all right with everything was anything I needed and and then the rest of the board of treaty like you know I've, I've just been nothing but supportive like and it's made that transition a lot easier like knowing that look they, they support you um, and they're willing to give you what you need like because you know I, I said it the, back in January like it was a brave decision from the board as well like I'm a young coach as well like I'm, I'm only 30 um, and to a point you know to a point a young manager like you know is brave in itself so i just want to reward them by being the best i can be but look, they're giving me every um every platform possible to go do that in terms of i suppose goals that have been set by the board or by the squad or by yourself um where are you on that because i suppose from the outside looking in it's very hard to see maybe uh when you're in a development stage like you are uh, where you're targeting your focus and um, what are the goals for you and the, the squad this season the well the short term goal is just to develop um a clear identity both on and off the pitch um for the rest of the season. Um we have a very young squad. Um so look I think player development is key. Um we've a number of players that look could potentially be in an under nineteen international squad. Obviously there's Vera Powell and her staff are doing great work in terms of having home based training sessions. You know, we should you know, I think players should have targets of getting there and well, how do we help them? Um, off the pitch, I think you know. I think it's been seen by everyone what the board of Three United are doing off the pitch, and like even with the men as well, the men and the women, how they're operating the club, how they want it to be there long term. And I think it's just taking baby steps, like you know, it's just doing like day by day, being the best we can be on the pitch, off the pitch, and and long term look is to have a well established uh, league of Ireland itself in the Midwest region, whereby you know, with the men and the women that were 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 having local players representing the league like and I think that would be incredible like to have you know players in the Midwest region representing the women and the men at the highest level of the game and you know long term you know go and compete for the top honours in Ireland but, but we know we're a long way from it but you know you have to build the foundations first and, and I have to say everything done behind the scenes by the board by Dave by John by everyone 
by Khan has just been incredible. Like, yeah, you talk about the two, the, the men's and the women's been side by side, but I suppose the only noticeable out, outcome at the moment that I can see is that the men's are in the markets field, you're in Jackman Park. There is a difference in quality between the two facilities. Uh, we've talked a lot in this show about parity between men's and women's football and, and the facility has been a big part of that. A lot of teams, I think there's only two teams in the league that don't play in the equivalent of the men's side, yourselves and P-Mount, everyone else actually bowls as well. Everybody else is in the Turner's Cross or Athlone Stadium or wherever it might be in the DC Park and Galway. What is the plan with that medium for long term? Is Jackman going to be the home of women's football down there or is it just a stepping stone to get back into the markets field? Um, look, to be honest with you, like, um, that's a good question. Like, I'm not going to say outright what, what the plan is because, look, I've never been involved in, in a lot of the discussions with that. But what I can say is, look, Jackman Park's been nothing but great for us. Um, when we had to move there last season because the, the fire brigade were using Marcus Field for the COVID, like, Jackman, their facilities are really good, like, in terms of COVID protocols. Like, they've got a big clubhouse. So, you know, one team is upstairs, the other team is access to downstairs. Um, the the people that work in Jackman are really good, and even this season, like you know, the pitch is of a good level. Um, again, the facilities and and the COVID protocols are brilliant. Like, and look, obviously, it would be nice to play in the Marks Field. Look, it's 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 that stadium in Limerick, but look, we're just as grateful to be in Jackman Park. Um, and they've been nothing but accommodating for us. And look, I'm sure long term, it look, you know, I believe it will probably go like that with all the teams, as you said, that you know, men and women be sharing the same stadium. But look, for now, for the short term. Look, we're happy with Jackman Park. We're very much accepting it and embracing it as our home. And, you know, hopefully now we can just put the results right in Jackman moving forward, like, you know. But, um, no, look, it's, it, it, it has been good to us so far. Well, I suppose in terms of Jackman Park, it's it's a big learning week in Jackman Park this week for the girls and yourself uh, in Treaty United. Piedmont last week, Shelburne in town next week. Uh, it's like, the, if, you're not, if you're going to learn something in the game, it's going to be this week. What's the, the goal for this weekend? Because obviously, I presume you're looking for more of the same. Shells come to town with fairly good firepower. They play a lovely brand of football as well. Um, what can you do to, to counteract that this weekend? Yeah, look, it's um, it's going to be a challenge. Look, just just before I came on here, I was just putting a presentation together on Shelburne. Um, look, for me, um, I think Shelburne are the best footballing team in the league. Um, last season, I was very impressed by how they moved the ball. Um, I think from watching all their games this season, I, I think Noel King is look, he's come in, he's brought wealth of experience. I think he's changed a few aspects with him. They're still fluid with the football, but they've they've got other arsenals in their in their firepower going forward now. And I think for us it's their their attacking players are, are excellent. Like you got Jessica Zhu, you got Emily Whelan, you have Saoirse Noonan, you've Noel Murray, like um like for them like to interchange a lot, like um then you've got like Kira Grant, you know, who's really good in the ball and you know, like Jamie Finn, like she, she was in midfield for their last game. Like, so, you know, we need to be mindful of that if, if she goes there or if she reverts to left back. Um, look, we'll be respectful of Shelburne and, and we'll recognise her threats. But I think the most important thing for us is that we focus on what we do because, look, Shelburne are going to have the ball quite a bit, but we can still affect what they do to an extent and how we are defensively structured. And then when we have the ball, it's all about what we do. Um, and, and that's what we're going to look to do. We're going to Look, we're going to look to be the best we can be in, in how we can nullify space for Shelburne. Um, but when we get the ball, we, we've we've recognised a lot of areas where we feel we can exploit them and, and that's what we're hoping to do. And please God, you'll all see it on Sunday.
<laughs> in terms of strengthening at the back, you've no use for maybe a, a decent international experienced central defender floating around in the west of Ireland anywhere, no? <laughs> no, look, look, I, I tell you what, though, like, uh, um, I know it's mad saying it, like, but I wouldn't swap anyone we have at the moment, like, um, Alana Mitchell now, who was centre back in Sunday. Look, she she's been up with the Ireland under nineteens before. Jesse Mendes, um, is a really good midfielder, is being converted into a centre back as of late, and, and look, she's embracing the role. And look, we you know we've got a lot of young players in that area. Um, look, ideally you would like a an older statement like look, Shelburne this weekend. They've got Pearl Slattery in, like you know, and you've got Jesse Stelton beside her, who's you know the amount of learning she's going to do. But look, we're very much at. Uh, happy with what we have and, and what's great about the girls there they're young they're brave they're bold they're eager um and and you know they're they're not intimidated by anyone like you know um but again that's the view of us as a coaching staff it's up to us to develop these players to be the best in their position and that's something we're embracing at the moment okay i was trying to get me a contract but obviously that's not happening so <laughs> <laughs> listen <laughs> thank you so much to join us niall and um, maybe could have offered a little bit of a cry now because you haven't offered her a deal but uh thanks so much for joining us the very best luck on uh when as shells come to town jack park on sunday uh, best luck probably going to need a bit of it this weekend but i think towards the end of the season i think we're going to see the fruits of that labor coming through and i think there's a surprise in your squad uh, whether it comes this week or not, who knows? But there's definitely one there this season to to come. Thanks very much for joining us. No, look, thank you for thank you both of you as well, and it's a pleasure. Uh, really nice to meet you both as well. Niall Connolly there. I think my joke about signing you may have uh, went completely over his head. I think he was just on a different wavelength. He was thinking about his own squad and didn't want to offend anybody. Um, would you consider signing for another team in the league, or is it Galway or bust? Galway or nobody else? Oh, Galway or nobody else for me. <laughs> I think I'm a Galway girl at heart, so I wouldn't uh, consider another team at the moment. Well, we might, might see you back at some stage in the future in a Galway jersey. Who knows what the future holds? Well, we know what this weekend will hold in terms of the fixtures. Four games this weekend. Galway idle. They don't have a game, so no emotional attachment may have to any of the teams taking place this weekend. Uh, Cork and Wexford, they get the ball rolling on Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock in Turner's Cross. Uh, while Belfield Bowl will be the, the venue for DLR Waves and Bowls at 6pm, same time as Piedmont United and Athlone, while Treaty and Shells will be in Jackman Park on Sunday afternoon, also a 2pm kickoff. Um, fairly predictable, maybe the Piedmont, Athlone, Treaty, Shelburne, I'm going to say at my peril because I'm still waiting for a, sh a, a shock in one of those games. Uh, but the other two seem to really um, stoke up an interest in, in terms of maybe being really good competitive games and a test maybe for where the clubs in the league are at the moment. For sure. I think um, the DLR and Bowes game is going to be uh, a big game. Like we kept alluding to that DLR will be looking to, you know, set themselves apart from the bottom half of the, t the table. But I think Bowes are ever improving and I think they'll fancy their chances um, against GLR because I think with each game, Bowes definitely can see the improvements because there's a lot of new players in there and like it does take a lot of time um, to implement a system. So I think that one is definitely going to be an interesting one. But I think the standout game for me this week will be Cork and Wexford. I think Cork um, can be, I suppose, they're, they've been very unlucky this season in terms of the actual results. Like we keep alluding to that they... Their performances have actually been very decent, but they're just the results haven't gone in their favour. <clears throat> so I think 
Um, I think they'll be really looking to get a result and I wouldn't be surprised if they did get um, a result, particularly when they're at home as well um, to Wexford. I think they're going to really put it up to them. Um, you know, but then on the other hand, you obviously have Wexford coming off the back of a, a big um, victory that they're going to be confident too. So, you know, it's a tough one to call, but I would be um, thinking that Cork can do actually do some damage in that game. Yeah, it's going to be a really good test, I think, to see where where squads are. I, I feel um, Wexford, I know we talked to Sinead about where they are, and they're an aging team. She won't thank me for saying that neither with her teammates, but they are they maybe ha- are on the downside of, of that success they've had over the last few years. They're no longer standout title contenders that you go, they'll absolutely be in a title race. I think they'll be there, thereabouts, but I don't see them challenging for the title uh, with Piemont or Shells. Uh, presuming Piemont and Shells do go as expected and, and take full points from this weekend, I think we could be in a very interesting situation uh, should Bowes or Cork pick up points where Athlone and Treaty could be left a good bit of drift of that third last place uh, on the league table as well. How healthy is it for teams to have that big gap in a league table if that's what should materialise at the weekend? I suppose it's not the healthiest and we saw that last year the way they implemented the different system with COVID and that the uh, table split into two and I think that meant that by the end of the season every team was still um, in with a chance that you know they still had something to play for so um, you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be good for the league I think to see a big gap but you know at the same time every team like um, we discussed with Niall earlier has their own goals set and I think, you know, when they have their own goals in mind as well, they are working towards something each week, um, you know, to better themselves, whether the team is in the development stage or whether they're trying to challenge, you know, the top end of the table. So um, I think, you know, we're also, like you said as well, we are due an upset. So who knows, um, you know, I'm sure both Treaty and Adlone will be, um, you know, will be hoping that this weekend is the, is the time that they shine and that they just cause this um, upset that we have been, have been looking for as well. So you know, I suppose it's a football at the end of the day and nothing is guaranteed. So, um, you know, we'll just have to see how the fixtures and how the results unfold this weekend. Yeah, for me, I think Athlone are probably the side that are going to produce that um, upset if and when it does happen this season. I think uh, they held Wexford to a really, really solid performance for 80 minutes and it took a penalty to break them down. And I think, um, do I think it's going to come this weekend? Probably not. But then it is when you least expect it that you get these kind of upsets. And I think uh, at loan, despite where they are in the league table, I don't think they're that poor, if that makes sense. I think they will pick up points from the teams around them as the season progresses. They've just been a little bit unlucky in, uh, in different games. And I think, give it a bit of time, they will pick up points. Bo's deal for me is the highlight of the weekend. I just think it's going to be the... Um, it's it's going to be the, the game, I think. Um, so you're looking at Cork, I'll be looking at DLR or Bo's. I think it'll be... Uh, Interesting to watch to see how those two teams have come on. They've been the two that I think have improved most from last season. And that, folks, is all we have time for again this week. Thank you very much to Maeve de Burka for joining me uh, once again on the show. Maeve, a pleasure as always to have you. Thanks. Great to be here. And also to our guests, Sinead Taylor, Aoife Harren and Niall Connolly of Treaty United. We'll be back again next week when Steph should be back in situ here on the finalwhistle.ie women's national league podcast we will talk to you next week